Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, fitness enthusiasts. Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Sin Sass, a former competitive athlete turned first responder, and I invite you to join me on a journey to rediscover and become our most authentic fit selves. Here, you can explore new ways to reduce pain, increase energy and strength, and improve your overall well-being so you can feel and look your best inside and out. But before we get into today's episode, I just want to share a little something. As I was putting together season two of this podcast and trying to level up my game a little bit, I joined the Faith Audio Network, which is founded and operated by Michaela Robertson, who is a podcast manager, editor, faith-based storyteller, and so much more. And I have to tell you, friends, the girl has a gift. Let me tell you. It is a gift that left me speechless on multiple occasions. And if you know me, that is saying a lot. Michaela is incredibly talented and works with a number of very influential people in the podcast and media world. And on this particular occasion, we were discussing some of the things I wanted to discuss and talk about in this season of Redefining Fitness. And she was listening to me and asking questions And then what flowed out of her mouth was just so eloquent and encapsulated so much of the vibe that in six words, she was just like, you know, first responders, respond to yourself first. And I was floored. (laughs) It floored me because the way it came out uh, in all of my years of thinking about the job, about the, uh, the ups and downs, how we struggle to be all things to all people in the name of service. It's never come out of my mouth so clearly and succinctly, not like that. So in this particular episode, the title and the contents are inspired by Michaela's comments, and I wanted to give her a shout out. And uh, if any of you are out there and you're looking to start or level up your podcast, please, please, please go check her out at the Faith Audio Network or at the Iron Agency. And I trust me, you'll be glad that you did. Now, as we're getting into this episode, um, I just want to let you guys know this episode is for everyone, but I am giving some special attention to my first responders today. Shout out to the first responders out there in the world doing what can be a physically, emotionally, mentally challenging and often thankless job. I just want to give you men and women a shout out and say, you know, I get it and I support you. Now, I can't wait to get into today's discussion, so let's go ahead and dive in. Today's topic of conversation is something that I have wrestled much of my life uh, with in my professional career as well as in my personal life. And if you're a part of this community or tuning in for the first time, I suspect you've probably dealt with it too. So many times we give so much uh, to everyone and everything else around us that we often have nothing left over for ourselves. And, you know, we've all heard this saying, you can't pour from an empty cup because when your body breaks down, you know, with the inevitable injury or illnesses, we are not able to show up in life um, or we're not able to live our lives the way that we wished. So what do we do about that? How do we prevent it? I mean, really, that's the question. You know, that's the question on the tip of people's tongues these days is how do we find that sweet spot between giving to self And giving to others so that we have the capacity to give to both. Because honestly, if we break down, how can we possibly give to anyone? 
And this is especially true of first responders and other emergency services personnel whose job it is to give in the service of others. And this is so important and it's been on my heart and my spirit for a while, particularly with all of the staffing shortages and overtime issues that EMS personnel have been required to work in the last few years. We are all being required to work in a way that goes against all of the best practices for longevity and sustained good health. You know, where you have healthcare professionals that advise that, you know, healthy lifestyle includes sleeping a minimum of eight to 10 hours a night, eating healthy meals, you know, made with whole foods and, you know, throughout the day and consuming about 64 ounces or more of water. You know, we all know this. We've heard this a million times. Uh, This is stuff that we just know. However, in the world of the emergency services worker or shift workers, you know, oftentimes the routine of that 12 to 15 hour workday added to commute times, you know, time for hygiene, leaves little to no room for any of that. I mean, there just isn't eight plus more hours left in our 24 hour day to squeeze it all in and then sleep for that long. Uh, Meals turn into grabbing whatever is provided on the job or eating out while roaming the city during our shifts or eating other highly processed and prepackaged foods and meal replacements. You know, and uh, we tend to take, we tend to do a little bit better on the water intake. But with the sleep deprivation, our fluids often come in the form of, you guessed it, caffeine-based drinks like coffee, some of them that have caffeine and are also loaded with sugar, like soda, and the ones that have the caffeine and the sugar, and a whole bunch of other chemicals that no one can pronounce in the form of energy drinks. Sound familiar? Well, yeah, this behavior um, has rates of illness, injury, and burnout at an all-time high currently. Generally speaking, we're just not faring well with the knee-jerk standardized health tips. We actually need something that nods to our required living situation, how we operate on most days with work and in life. And most of you, like me, are looking for a road back to better health, to better fitness, energy, and a quality of life. You know, we are all looking for that. Some of you, you know, you already know my story. And that's the place that I found myself in years ago after serious injury on the job left me severely out of shape, overweight, in pain, demoralized, and unable to do most of the activities that I loved. Yet in a little over six months, I was able to regain my fitness, lose more than 50 pounds, and get back to activities I thought I'd had to give up forever. And I did it using an alternative to conventional fitness models that we've grown up hearing about. In fact, those models were unsuccessful for me for more than 13 years. And if you're here, I suspect that they have been unsuccessful for you also. So when we think about first responders and responding to ourselves first, um, you know, when I started thinking about this, I was well aware from the beginning that that's something we're just very poor at. To give you an example, due in large part to the unhealthy lifestyle that first responders exist in most of our careers, the average life expectancy after retirement, particularly for those in law enforcement, is about five years. And that is if, if, that's a big if, that's if one makes it to the retirement age. Many retire early due to injury, illness, 
and more still experience mental health challenges that occur as a result of the fact that we don't have ample time to recover between the traumatic events that we respond to. Um, You know, you think about an ER doctor going from, you know, catastrophe after catastrophe. You think about firefighters going from, you know, an EMS and in law enforcement from, you know, one traumatic event to the next. And, you know, when one is over, it's not take a breather time. It's time to get back to the next situation. And that builds up and it has an, an impact on our mental health. Now, you know, I don't know about you, but I know that I don't want that to be my life. I don't want to be sitting here, you know, going from traumatic event to traumatic event or being stressed at a job, even when, you know, you're not doing all of the trauma filled stuff 100% of the time, being stressed out and emotional and overwhelmed at work to retire and five years later, you know, not be here anymore. I want to be able to retire and live a long and happy life. And I think you guys do too. You know, you want to, I think we all want to be able to have a fulfilling life while we're working. And we also want to be able to retire into a healthy and fulfilling life as well. And it's hard to do because we work in an environment that oftentimes there's just a heavy, heavy vibe of grind. There's a heavy vibe of guilt and shame that goes along with the drama and the trauma that we deal with on the regular. Now, that guilt and shame, it often comes from when we are unable to show up fully or at all because we're hurt or sick, which can happen a lot if we don't take care of ourselves, which we often don't. So fun fact, about 20% of people in the nation or worldwide suffer from chronic pain. Now on a national level, that's about 56 million people. And on a worldwide scale, that number jumps up to about 1.6 billion people on the planet that are suffering from chronic pain. Now, here's the interesting thing. It's that when you take that number and you ask of that people, of that number of people, how many or what percentage of those are first responders? And the numbers just disappear. It's like they evaporate into thin air. There is there just isn't a percentage available to reflect how many of the people who suffer from chronic pain are first responders. And the interesting thing though, is that when first responders are interviewed, about 80% of them report that they experience ongoing long-term pain as a result of their injuries and illnesses that have occurred from the job. So in other words, 20% of the population deals with chronic pain 80% of first responders deal with chronic pain, but we're not talking about it. We're not taking care of our injuries and we're suffering in silence. And part of that is because the environment in which we work actually rewards that silence. It benefits from us not dealing with our injuries because that means we're showing up to work and we're not taking time off. Because honestly, crises don't stop. They don't stop because, you know, we want to take some time away or we're hurt or sick. People are still having emergencies and they're still needing people to come and help out. And when we're away from the job, it puts pressure on the communities that we serve and the people that are still working. And so, you know, sometimes the folks that are there are quick to remind us of that fact. So what do we do? We show up and we show up hurt and sick and it hurts our health. Now, despite the stereotype notion that all first responders are the pinnacle of health, I mean, some are, and many look like they are, but the reality is that most of us are struggling 
And I've struggled after my last three injuries over the last 13 years with lingering joint issues and chronic pain. And the game changer for me was resilience that was fostered by a healthy dose of faith and a dose of functional fitness training techniques. Now, I'm here to break the silence and to shift the perspective to a more positive outcome for myself and anyone who wishes to join. So I hope that you want to join me on this journey. Now, I know we all signed up to do a particularly difficult job, and we expected some sort of discomfort. We expected a level of discomfort. However, that doesn't preclude the necessity for getting help when we're injured and when we're hurt. Some of you, you know, some of you have gotten the side eye, though, as you've dealt with your injuries and your lingering pain. And some of you are trying to wing in a prayer, rub on your lucky rabbit's foot or whatever, showing up, hoping nothing goes sideways, hoping to make it through the day and the shift without getting hurt more, without hurting other people, and generally being able to deal with whatever situation that might arise. Some of you, though, are making it through the day. And when you get home, you got nothing left for your family. Your spouse and your kids can't understand what's going on with you, why you're shutting down, you're moody, on edge. You know, I don't know. Has that been you? Have you normally been trying to grind through your pain and injury, hoping it will just eventually go away? Or that if you force yourself into the gym to do a workout designed for an uninjured 20 or 30 something, that you can no pain, no gain, you're over 40 plus pain away. Of course, the rationale makes sense to just go ahead and put more effort into training because we all know that when we're stronger, when our body's stronger and more stable, that, you know, injuries are less common. Now, they're not, they're not going to necessarily never happen, but they're just a little bit less common. But that tends to work before the injury and the chronic pain occurred and not after. After, there's a different approach that is more efficient and effective that we need to take. You know, I learned the hard way. I learned that the old methods of training and exercise barely work for us when we were young athletes. And they really aren't a good fit as we've aged and had injuries and abused our bodies along the way. Body movement that is or mimics how we move every day and as we go about life is much more effective and a much more effective way to retrain our bodies to work for us rather than against us. Especially when the gear we wear each day at work interferes with our body's natural and optimal posture and alignment. We have to learn how to work together with our body rather than against it in a perpetual war with it. So again, the question is, how do we do it? You know, this is the way it is. We know this. This is we chose this job. It's the job we've chosen. And all we're really looking to do is to find a way to feel better again, to feel that we're healthy and that we are strong enough and capable enough to show up in our jobs and to show up in our lives in a way that's appropriate and makes us feel good and that we can just enjoy life and not be on a perpetual grind. Well, there are things that we can do to set us off on the path to better health and fitness. Thank goodness. And I say set us off because we have to start. We have to start and we have to prime our bodies before we try to go diving headfirst into the deep end. And it's been years since we've been in the fitness pool, so to speak. The first thing that we've got to do, the first of, of three or four things we've got to do is normalizing self-care again. We got to understand that self-care is not selfish. And I know that sounds a little bit like a meme, but the truth is it's not. 
If you think about it in our plane, now when you're on an airplane, I mean, every time we get on a plane, they talk to us about in the event of an emergency, an emergency landing, if the oxygen mask drops down, we all know we've been told countless times to go ahead and say it with me, put your mask on first before you attempt to help others. And that's it. That's self-care in a nutshell. We got to put on our proverbial mask first. And that means making sure we're healthy when we show up to work in life, that we're finding ways to maximize our sleep. Even if we don't get normal sleep like other people, we may not get eight hours every day. We may not be able to sleep at night. Sometimes we're sleeping during the day, but we can find ways to maximize the sleep that we do get, that we could get the best quality of sleep that we can when we are sleeping that we find ways to eat more healthy, even if we aren't cooking for ourselves all the time, and that we are hydrating in a way that helps our body rather than deplete it consistently, more often than not. It's not perfection. It doesn't have to be. It just needs to be consistent. It doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be consistent. Now, I can sit up here and talk to you all day long about nutrition and what kind of foods to eat, and I can talk to you about blackout blinds and noise cancellation devices and all the things that you use so that you're not trying to sleep in the middle of the day while your phone is ringing and the neighbor's blowing the leaf blower at the highest level possible and the doorbell's ringing and somebody's dog's barking and the kids next door are playing in the pool because it's daytime for everybody else and it's two in the morning for you. But you already know these tricks. Like, you know, we could talk about this stuff, but you guys know it. You've been doing the job for a long time. And anybody on shift work that's been doing this understands these things. And it's a great start. It's a great start because quality sleep and proper nutrition is incredibly important for health and fitness. So that when you get out there into the gym, when you get out there into life, that you're actually able to do things that is helpful for you as opposed to adding more negative stress on your body. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but... Workouts can be detrimental if they're not done in a way that your body is utilizing the work in a positive way. Sometimes you can go out there doing work and it's, actu and it's actually affecting you negatively. So you have to be careful. The second thing is mind your capacity and your time. Often what we really are having a problem with is our time and our capacity. And those things can kind of get mixed up sometimes where Sometimes people think that a capacity issue is a time issue, you know, because oftentimes we don't have the time, but sometimes we do. And in those moments, what we're lacking in is the capacity to act so that when we have a couple of hours in the day, we are so exhausted that a couple of hours is going to be expressed as conservation of energy, moving very little, replenishing as much as possible before starting that grind again. It's going to come out in efforts to conserve energy. So what that tends to look like is even if you're going out of the house to watch your kids in their sporting event or their dance recital or birthday parties and play dates that they have, even though you go ahead and you take them there and you hang out, you're going to be at the lowest level of energy possible. You're not going to want to talk to people. You're not going to want to engage you're going to want to be off to the side in a very antisocial position, which again goes back to how we show up in our lives. And are we really enjoying it? Are we enjoying our time with our kids and our family time? We're probably not because it seems like a chore because, you know, we would rather be at home 
in bed or on the couch because we are exhausted. And, and it's no matter what the hours that we keep and the way that we're fueling our bodies it's, and the things that we see. You know, it's no matter that we are exhausted when we get home and we turn that switch off, right? And if you feel that way about spending time with your family, about taking your kids whom you love so dearly to where it is that they need to go so that they can thrive in their lives, how do you think you're going to be able to muster up on top of that going to the gym or some other workout and diet protocol that someone has conditioned us to believe that we need to be fit? What's going to be your motivation to do that? Because we're exhausted and we're not going to want to or be able to do it because honestly, the greater pain wins out every time, every time. And most often the greater pain when our capacity is tapped is exhaustion. So what we have to start doing is looking at ways that we can manage our time and our capacity so that when we do have those events to do, that we have the energy to do them. We have to have the energy to pour into our families and the energy to pour into ourselves. So I was at a conference in January this year, and um, it was the Align Conference out in Florida, and Trent Shelton was there speaking. And one of the things that he said in his talk essentially was that most people don't have a time problem. They have a priority problem. And you know, that ruffled some feathers. But what he said was very interesting because it was to the effect that We have time in our day that we are expending our energy on, but that we complain about every single day. We talk about the fact that we don't have time because we can't do all these things that we need to do, that we wanna do, that is gonna be beneficial for us. And yet we're sitting around and complaining about things like driving back and forth to do a job that's too far away, or that we're going to a job that we don't like, or whatever the heck it is that we are complaining about, that we do, all of the time every day. So I would challenge you to look at your day. What does your day look like? I mean, really think about it and think about those places that you are expending energy that you really don't need or want to expend. I challenge you as Trent challenged us to ask yourself, why are you doing these things? Why are you doing the things that you don't like and that you don't want to do? Now, nobody's telling you to to just not have a job or quit your job, you know, or move to a part of town that you can't afford. We're not saying that. But if you really look at your life and how you're living it, there are a great many places that people that we, I, all of us are expending energy on things that we don't like to do that somebody has convinced us that we're supposed to be doing. Somebody has convinced us that it's appropriate for us. But the truth is, if you don't want to do those things and they're not an actual requirement of your living and your situation, then why are you doing them? I mean, why are we doing them? You don't have to. I don't have to. I had to do this for myself recently and it was hard. It was hard to think about it and and think about some things that I had to change and shift my perspective on why I was doing them and whether they were necessary in my life. You can do something different and you can take something that you're giving a yes to and give it a no, give it a no so that you can give yourself a yes instead. 
Because the truth is that many of us are giving yeses to things in our lives that are really a no. And we don't have the capacity to do the things in our lives that we really want to do, that we really want to give a yes to, because we're giving up all these yeses to actual no's. We're giving away the yeses. So again, I challenge you, look at your time and look at your capacity and start looking at what things that you are giving a yes to that really should be a no. And you'll know, you'll know what it is for your life. Now, I can't tell you what those things are going to be because it's going to be different for everyone. But there's going to be things in your life that you are doing that you really do not want to or need to do. And that maybe you should stop and supplant those things with things that you are interested in and things that will help you be a better you. And along those lines, that's going to include setting up some boundaries, which is the third thing that we need to look at. You're going to have to set up boundaries around those things and around yourself about what it is you really want to do and how you want to do it. And you got to keep those boundaries. And I know it could be incredibly difficult, especially if you taught someone to expect things from you that you really didn't or no longer have the capacity to give. And that includes your job. That includes all the time that you said yes to show up on shifts that you felt you had to, but you really didn't because somebody else said no. Somebody else said no and didn't go, but you say yes all the time. So they come to you first. Now, if that's something you want to do, by all means, continue doing it. But if you're doing it because you think you're supposed to, but you really don't want to, and it's grinding away at you and it's killing you and it's infecting your health and it's affecting your home life, think about that. And maybe you don't go that time. Maybe you say yes another time, but this time you say no. Think about that. I know it was challenging for me. Um, It's challenging for me at my job. And it was challenging for me also um, in a boundary that I was keeping in my personal life. Now, some of you know that I'm a caregiver. And one of the things that I would say is that I'm happy to help you with whatever it is you need help with. But please don't not do the things that you should do and then have me come behind you to fix it. Because now we're just making your lack of prioritization my emergency. And that was a problem that that we had sometimes. Um, And I worked on my boundaries. I worked on my boundaries at work. I worked on my boundaries um, in my personal life. And the situations have resolved very positively. And I'm friends with everybody still. (laughs) It wasn't anything crazy, but, you know, it took some work. And I suspect that there's going to be some people, some of you, that there's going to be some of this is going to come up for as well. Because you have people in your lives who rely on you to do things. You have people in your lives who you've been saying yes to for things that you really want to say no to. For people who have been encroaching upon your boundaries um, that you've not been keeping your boundaries with, and they're not going to be happy when you start trying to uphold those boundaries. But you have to remember the boundaries aren't about the other person. They're not about them. They're about you. And they're about helping you to blossom in the way that you need to. It's not that you're setting a boundary on the other person. The boundary is for you, what you're going to tolerate and what you're going to engage in. It's not about what they have to do. They can continue doing whatever it is that they do. And you do what works for you now. You communicate your boundary and then simply act accordingly. 
So an example might be that maybe you come home from work, you worked a night shift, you're tired because you just worked 12 hours. And even though it's the middle of the day, you've only been asleep for three or four hours before your mom or your spouse or your friends think it's the middle of the day. So, you know, it's cool. I'll go ahead and call and stop by or otherwise disrupt your sleep. So your boundary is, you know, to let people know, hey, I'm going to be sleeping between these hours. This is my shift these days and I'm going to be sleeping, sleeping. So if you call or come by, I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to answer the phone or the door. Um, If you come by till and then insert whatever time in that works for you, that works for your needs, that's later in the day. And you let them know what time you'll be up. Now, those people can respect that boundary or not. You've communicated it and then you turn off your phone and you lock the door and you don't answer either. And if they want to call or come by, they're going to get your phone, your voicemail or a locked door. Now, of course, you can set up a protocol in case there's an emergency so people can get through to you, right? But otherwise, you've let people know what your behavior is going to be, what to expect, and then you act accordingly and they go on about and do their lives. What's happened is that they still have the option to do whatever they wish, and you're just letting them know what to expect from you going forward. And then you remove yourself from the equation at that juncture. That's what a boundary looks like in real life, right? And for those of you that are first responders, there is a first responder emotional survival class, and this can help you in maybe setting up some of these boundaries when people really don't understand what they are. Now, you don't have to explain your boundaries, but of course, right, when you're talking about your family, your spouse, your kids, of course, you're going to explain what's going on with you so that they can understand and so that you can come up with something that works for your entire family, right? And these classes, these emotional survival classes are really helpful because in many homes, our families don't always understand the rigors of the job. They don't understand the mental and emotional effects it has on us and what happens to us when we come home. And, you know, honestly, some of us don't even understand it ourselves because we do a really good job of hiding it and of hiding those effects from those close to us and even from ourselves. So when you take these courses and your families and your spouse are able to participate with you, you do it together and they get an opportunity not only to see that it's not just you, but that all the hundreds of other people in the room are experiencing what you and your family experience. And they get the opportunity to see the different presenters over the course of the day who tell their stories, who share what they've experienced, what's happened with them and how they got through it. And let me tell you, some of those stories are wild. Some of those stories really open up the eyes of people who don't work in this line of work. And it can help open up an opportunity to have a conversation with them about the job and about how it affects us and about what it is that we need, about what you need in order to be the best self that you can be so that you can be a participant in your family the way that you want to be and the way that they need you to be. We can enlist our loved ones to help us in a way that they can understand instead of arguing about why we're acting antisocial today, why we don't want to go over other people's houses, why we don't want to be with a lot of stimuli on our off days, why we're sleeping on a Saturday in the middle of the day when our kids have a birthday party to go to and why we can't just exercise and eat right and get our, ha- or get our health together. These courses can be incredibly helpful in opening up that line of communication, opening up that understanding and presenting an opportunity for you and your family to determine what works for your family. And it could be able to help you so that you can start working on those boundaries setting them and keeping them so that you can better care for yourself, that you can better manage your time and your capacity 
so that when you do have the time, you can show up as the best person, as the best version of yourself that you can truly and possibly be and enjoy your family and enjoy your free time and enjoy the things that you love to do in your life. And when you have more capacity and energy, then you're in a situation where you can actually start to set up sustainable habits. And this is a bonus. This is number four. You can release old habits that are unhelpful, that have put you in a spiral down the rabbit hole and create new ones that are helpful and sustainable that can help you be the healthiest you possible. And that's the place where we start. That's where we start. We start talking about improving health and fitness and getting stronger and losing weight and reducing pain and fully healing your injuries rather than half healing them. We can't just jump right into old methods of exercise, which include the gym and exercising like you did when you were a healthy young athlete. You have to start thinking about where you are in your life now, what's happening in your body right now, and what it is that actually needs support right now. And your movement plan should address the things that are going on in your body currently that can help you create a foundation in your body so that when you do do the activities you enjoy, when you go to the gym, if that's your thing, when you go out and start trying to run or hike or cycle or row or whatever it is, mountain climb, whatever you like to do, that your body is prepared for it. You have to start somewhere. And the place that you start is self-care, is minding your time and your capacity, is setting up boundaries and keeping them and creating healthy habits, helpful habits that put you in a place where your body starts to come alive again. Because when your body starts to come alive again, it starts to think, hey, I want to go do something today. And when that happens, you know you're headed in the right direction and you know you're just steps away from getting back to that place that you love and that you enjoy. Now, we'll be talking later on in this season about what those plans look like, about functional fitness, about what that means and how it can help you be your stronger self, help you sustain or gain strength, lose weight, to look good, feel good, and help you perform better at the activities that you enjoy. Woo, it's gonna be so good. I want to thank you for joining me today and tuning in to another episode of Redefining Fitness with Sass Factor Fitness, a space where you can reconnect with yourself, restore your inner athlete, and fulfill your fitness potential after injury, illness, or other life events had other plans. If this episode resonated with you, please comment, review, and subscribe to this podcast. I appreciate any and all feedback. And until next time, this is Sin with Sass Factor Fitness reminding you to mind your matters.